Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. The title of my message tonight is called, Don't Be a Beggar, Be a Commander. Come on, we've got some tough people in the house tonight. This is not a wimpy message, okay? So just, we're gonna, we're gonna be okay, we're gonna get through it well, but don't be a beggar, be a commander. And I got this message from the book of Luke where it talks about the centurion. And I had to do a little research about centurions. I was like, what is a centurion? I don't know about you, but when I read a story, I wanna know the backdrop. I wanna understand what I'm reading. And, and so I did a little research on what a centurion was, and this is what I found, so I'm just going to share it with you a little bit. Centurions were officers in the army of ancient Rome. Centurions got their name because they commanded a hundred men. These officers were commanders. Various paths led them to becoming a centurion. Some were appointed by the Senate or Emperor or elected by comrades, but most were enlisted men promoted through the ranks after 15 to 20 years of service. If we haven't arrived yet, we might be like the centurion and may take a little while for us to understand our rightful place and become commanders. It says this, as company commanders, they held important responsibilities, including training, giving out assignments, and maintaining discipline in the ranks. When the army encamped, centurions supervised the buildings of fortification, a crucial duty in enemy territory. They also escorted prisoners and procured food and supplies when the army was on the move. And then catch this. This is what really caught my attention. It says this. In battle, centurions stood on the front lines. Christians were on the front lines. That's our place. In battle, centurions stood on the front lines, leading their men. These were not just followers. These were leaders. Leading their men. They were expected to be courageous. Somebody say courageous. Rallying the troops during the tough fighting. Cowards could be executed. Julius Caesar considered these officers so vital to his success that he included them in his strategy sessions. I like that centurions were fighters and commanders and people of wisdom. Ex-centurions were sometimes recruited to command auxiliary or mercenary troops in the various lands that Rome had conquered. So when we read about the centurion, I want you to think about that kind of centurion. And the interesting thing about this particular centurion is most likely he was Roman. He probably was not Jewish and did not understand all of the Jewish ways. So this is a fascinating story when you think about someone who wasn't raised up in the faith. And came from kind of an outside perspective. And this is what the Bible says in Luke 7, 1 through 9. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, so Jesus was preaching and teaching and ministering, he said he entered Capernaum. There a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. 
The centurion heard of Jesus. This Roman centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews. So he went out and he was like, all right, I'm not Jewish, but I heard about this, this person, Jesus. So I'm going to go find some Jesus followers. And so he went out and found some Jews and sent them to ask a question. So the centurion heard of Jesus, sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and to heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, I find this fascinating, they pleaded, the Bible says. Other version says they begged. They begged earnestly with him. This man deserves you to do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with him. I find that fascinating because the centurion did not ask those Jewish elders to go and beg. He asked those Jewish elders to ask that his servant would be healed. Why sometimes do we, even in our own Christian life, we have been given an authority to ask and to receive, but we find ourselves begging? This is what, what happens, and, and I love it. And Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is like, you know what? I'm going to go with you. So, so Jesus went with them. Jesus is often moved by compassion, yes, but then watch what happens. He says this, he was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go, and he goes, and that one to come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. He didn't even find this kind of faith in the Christians of the day. He found this kind of faith in an outsider who understood a principle about Jesus that if he gave a word instantaneously, a person could be healed. How extraordinary that God saw, th that the centurion understood authority, but God saw that it equaled faith. Our authority equals faith. And Jesus was amazed, and instantaneously that servant was healed. And I just had this thought. I don't want to be a Christian that begs God, that is begging God when I can just simply believe in faith and see a miracle happen. I don't want Jesus just to walk with me. And don't get me wrong, I love that Jesus walks with me, but I want at the sound of my voice, at me understanding who Jesus is, to see the miraculous, to walk in miracles. Anybody like that with me today? Can we not just go for a walk? Can we see signs, miracles, and wonders in our own life in Christianity? I think that we have more authority than we realize. Point number one, live and act as commanders and not beggars. Why do we do this sometimes? Why do we act sometimes? Did you ever find yourself, and I'm speaking to myself as well, we find ourselves begging God for a healing. We find ourselves begging God to take us out of this poverty situation. We find ourselves begging God that, 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 that these tormenting thoughts or not sleeping at night, begging God that it would go away. I imagine that Jesus is in heaven very frustrated. 
He's like, um, great. I gave you authority over every evil thing, over every darkness and evil that would try to torment. I have given you authority. How do I know that? Because the Bible says he has given us the keys to the kingdom. And the Bible says that, that we would do even more than what Jesus did on earth. Okay, it's only January. Anybody reading the Bible in a year program or starting to read the Bible? I mean, Jesus has already done a lot. Okay, so just with what we know right now, Jesus has done a lot of things. Jesus, we know of Jesus that he, he, he told devils to leave and they did. He resurrected people from the dead. He healed people. The Bible says, Jesus says that we would do even greater things than Jesus himself. Why are we begging when we can command, when we can use our authority in the right way? as sons and daughters of God. The Bible says in John 14, 12, verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. When I first started coming to this church years and years and years ago, I'm like a great artifact here now. I'm like back in the good old, but actually all the days are good, so I don't say back in the good old days. But anyways, um, I've been here for a while, but, but years ago when I first started coming to the church, um, I started to... to to realize, oh my goodness, this is, this is the church that I prayed about. This is the kind of church that I so knew existed in my heart and my mind. And, and then it became a reality. I was so pumped when I arrived on the doorsteps of Awakened Church. I even remember I had gotten prophesied earlier before I came to this church, and they prophesied all about what this church would be. They told me I would be in an apostolic church where, where there would be ground breakers. The, the prophecies said that, that, that this church would move in gifts and, and signs and wonders and miracles and, and that I would be a part of it. It was just this extraordinary prophecy. And I knew when I arrived here, it was it. It was the beginning of the fulfillment of that prophecy. And so, you know, I started to gain a little bit of traction. And as we all know, we've heard it, you know, when the devil sees a Christian that's gaining some traction, right, right, he wants to snuff us out right at the beginning, and so for me, that's, that, that's what happened. I remember one night I went to sleep. It was an ordinary night, an ordinary day, nothing really that unusual happening. It wasn't like this was a day where I decided, oh, I'm gonna just dabble in witchcraft today. Like, no, I, I wasn't doing any of those things. It was a normal day. Went to work, came back, went to sleep. And so I, all of a sudden in the middle of the night, I wake up startled. It was like a startling wake up. And all of a sudden my, the room, uh, the temperature in my room, all of a sudden just like dropped from normal to freezing. It was freezing cold. And, and I felt this eerie sense and this, this evil presence. And I remember looking into the corner of, of my room and I saw this, this black figure and it, it kind of looked like, the only way I can describe it is it looked like a black panther and it had two yellow beady little eyes. And all of a sudden this, this figure pounced one, two, two, three, and then pounced right on top of me. And I was in a moment there where it was like I couldn't speak and I couldn't move and I, I, I didn't know what was happening and, and, and fear started to grip me. And then all of a sudden I realized I'm a Christian. And so I was like, okay. And so I start praying in tongues and then all of a sudden these, this, this evil figure looked straight at me and said, Stacy, it knew my name. And it said, Stacy, you will not prophesy. 
And I remember everything within me, I began to pray in tongues and everything within me, within me rose up. And finally, I felt my, my, my mouth be able to open and be released. And I said, in the name of Jesus, yes, I will. In the name of Jesus, I will prophesy. And you better leave here. You don't know who my God is. And I began to bind and break everything that was in my room, the next room, the kitchen. You know, you go all through the house at that point. Like, you got get on out of here. And I've never seen that devil again. People often say, oh, bigger level, bigger devil, and more authority we have. Let us not forget the kind of authority that Jesus has given me. I do not, I am not afraid of bigger levels. Bring them on. I have a bigger God. We have more authority than we think. The Bible says that the devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's not a roaring lion. He's acting like one. He's probably a kitten. And there are some evil cats out there. We all know that. Just, that's the right one to get rid of. He's not a lion. He's pretending. He's intimidating. And the Bible says he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, meaning he does not devour us all. So I have decided in my life, if, if you have become a Christian, if this is day one, you already should begin to understand that you have an authority over the things of the devil, and you can tell anything that is not of God to leave in the name of Jesus. You guys got me preaching already. So good. Point number two, don't use your authority to be wicked. Use your authority over wickedness. Don't use your authority to be wicked. Use your authority over wickedness. Do wicked people use authority badly? Yes, all the time. We have seen a horrible misuse of authority. Uh, in fact, if you give a person just a little bit of power, a little bit of authority, you will see what that person is made of. All of a sudden, we will see, was their agenda pure? Were they actually loving? Were they actually pushing that out of care? Or were they rising up in authority that was wicked and not of God? Let us not be those people. Now, so that's not the kind of authority that I'm talking about. I'm talking about authority in Jesus. And this is such a good word because this is not about us having to read 7 billion self-help books of how to become a better person. This is, if I understand the principles of God, then those principles will already play out in our lives. We'll start to realize the authority that we have in God. We can skip 100 steps. I like that. I'm not the studious girl. I'm like, get me to the, I'm like the person that reads the, the last page of the book just to make sure it ends well. It's awful. It's just a horrible habit. Anyways, <laughs> um, we are not in a, a, a spiritual battle against just one another. This isn't about winning an argument. There's so much more going on in the spirit world. There is a difference between right and wrong, morality and immorality, evil and good. And we have to rise up in our authority, especially in today's hour, and especially with what's going on in our world. This is so important. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6:12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents. Some people here tonight are like, oh, but you don't know my family. <laughs> 
You're like, oh, and I get it. All of us have someone that is extremely frustrating in our lives, but we have to move beyond the symptom of the person to go, is there a spirit that is activating some evil things in that person's life? Maybe I could love the person and hate the sin. The Bible says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. I think we need to understand the authority that we have been given. I think it's time for us to rise up as commanders in this hour, like the centurion understood. I think if it's time to live out our Christianity. And we can choose with the authority that we have been given. We can choose what we allow and what we don't allow. Now, I understand that sometimes life happens to us all. We can't plan for, we can't structure, we can't control all the things that are happening in the world. Sometimes bad things do happen to good people because we live in a world that was taken over by sin and evil. However, we don't have to stay there. But tonight, I really want to talk about what are some of the choices that we've made that we maybe haven't realized, wow, I have opened myself up to some ungodly choices that's wreaking havoc in my life. And if I make a shift or a change or a decision, I can close that door. The way that I think about it is a little bit like this. The Bible talks about how God gives us the keys to the kingdom. I kind of think about it like years and years ago when I was a teenager, uh, my parents, lovely family, lovely Christian family I was brought up in, one time they wanted to um, take the whole family and go to the beach on vacation. Sounds great. But I was a teenager. I was like, 15, 14 or 15, my sister and I are 11 months apart, so we're like the dynamic duo, right? So we had both decided it would be way too boring to go on vacation with the family and that we should probably just stay and they could go because we were teenagers. And so we somehow convinced my parents, like, we will make your lives miserable if we go with you. You don't want that, do you? You should leave us and take our younger brothers. Go have fun. Anyway, somehow we convince them. So my father comes to us. He has the keys to our house, the keys to the kingdom. Now, when he ruled and reigned in that house, there was peace. There was security in that house. He's like, okay, I'm handing you girls the keys to the kingdom. He leaves, they leave, they go on vacation. My sister and I are like, great. In about five seconds flat, we had pulled out every number we knew to mankind, and we were like, it is time for a raging house party. We have been waiting our whole lives for this. It's going to be so awesome. They're gone. We can do whatever we want. We chose whether we were going to allow hell or heaven in our house. How many of us we are choosing today, are we allowing hell or heaven into our life? We have been given the keys to the kingdom. My sister and I, we, we, we decided to tell every single friend and we told them to tell their friends and their friends and whoever friends they had because the two of us were extreme extroverts. And we're like, yeah, the more the merrier. This is going to be so fun. And so we allowed all these people and people we did not know into our home. Our home was soon overtaken. Yes, imagine all the horrible movies about this. And um, now thank God for God's protection. He does love us. We were saved. 
He protects us against ourselves sometimes, even when we're making very poor choices. And so we went on to have a party through the night. And um, my sister and I, like in the morning, we're like, oh, dear God. Like there are cans of alcohol like everywhere. There are cigarette butts in like the top of the refrigerator. Like how does it get there? I don't even know. And we're like, oh. And then all of a sudden we get a phone call from my dad. And he's like, hey, so we're 15 minutes away from the house. Um, we just felt like something was off. Christian, prophetic, parents, <laughs> listen to the Holy Spirit. Oh, don't just be your, your kids' friends, be a parent. <laughs> it's good for us. We hated them then, we love them now, okay? There's hope for us parents and kids. And so they said, we felt something off. Uh, why they called us to give us a heads up, I have no idea. My sister and I all of a sudden learned how to clean. The Clorox came out, the garbage bags. We had everyone that was still there from the night um, picking up everything, getting it out, kicking everyone out. Uh, okay, we get them all out. We clean the whole house to the point of like putting the garbage outside and we're like hosing the outside because it reeks of cigarettes. <clears throat> My parents arrive. They come in, we're like, well, welcome. Here's the keys <laughs> back. Um, we're going to go now because we feel convicted. And conviction is a very good thing. Let us please understand the difference between conviction and shame. We had a right to feel convicted. We had made some very poor choices. And the Holy Spirit was nudging us. It's right to feel those feelings. And so we felt convicted. So, of course, we could not stay in the house. So we literally leave. We go down the street. Not but five minutes later, we get the phone call from the parents. Um, hi, Dan and Stacy. Um, I'm going to need you to come home right now. We've got some talking to do. I love my parents because they didn't come out just swinging and accusing them. It was all the questions. Um, so what happened while we were gone? And like any good teenager, we blamed it on our worst friends. And we learned a very good lesson that day. Yes, there were consequences that one day we got out of. It took some time. Um, but <laughs> my parents came back and they took back the keys to the kingdom. I want us to assess ourselves tonight. What are some choices? What have been some decisions that we have made where we open the door to all kinds of evil? Could we make a decision just to shut that door, to repent and then shut that door? And so I think that, that tonight is gonna be a really good night to assess the state of our heart and our lives. One time I remember uh, I was uh, praying a lot as uh, a ministry leader on the altar and and people would, you know, always come up for, for prayer and I would pray for them. And I happened to get, keep getting the same girl like over and over and over again. And she had the same prayer over and over and over again. And she would tell me about this tormenting relationship that she was in with a boyfriend. And she just really wanted to pray that he would become a Christian and Prince Charming and the, the guy that, that God had promised her to be. And, and she was telling how much torment she couldn't sleep at night. She was just tormented. And she would always ask me to pray for him. Finally, one day, uh, when I was praying for her at the altar, I wised up and I asked some questions. And I'm like, hey, sweetheart, can I ask you some questions? And she said, yes. And I said, are you sleeping with your boyfriend? 
And she's like, um, you know what? Yes, you know, yeah, I am. And I said, well, here's the thing. I'm like, you have opened a door to torment because that, what you're doing is under a covenant of marriage. It's real. It's a covenant. So if you're not under a covering and you're making these choices, could you be under a curse that is tormenting your life? And I said, and here's the thing. We keep praying for your boyfriend to become a Christian. But what if, what if you actually believed the word of God and you began to, to put in some principles of the word of God? What if you went home tonight and said, you know what? I can't do this anymore because I'm a Christian. What if at that point... That man has the opportunity to be confronted with truth and he can make the decision. Do I want to possibly become a Christian? Do I want to respect this woman? Maybe, just maybe, he will have the opportunity to become that prince. Or if he decides not to, then you walk away from the relationship and God can give you another person. Either way, you can have victory right now. Either way, the torment can end right now. We are one one choice away. We can just stop participating in the things that are doing damage to our heart and our life. And I said, sweetheart, if you are open to it, let's pray repentance. If you repent of your sins, then we can allow God to do a great miracle. And we prayed together and she went on to have just the most beautiful, like the most beautiful story. But I'm telling you, it all starts with us assessing our lives. And people that are married, it's the same. You might be under the covenant of marriage, but what have you allowed into that marriage? How do we speak to one another? What is it that we're participating in or not? We need to do an assessment and go, okay, are there some things that I have, have taken the keys and not used them the right way? I, I need to shut those doors and I need to open up new ones. What is it that will give us the peace that God promises us that will surpass all understanding? We can't keep blaming the devil for our poor choices. Don't even give him the credit. There, there, there is space for all of that, but there are some things that we can just say no more in the name of Jesus, and then we can exercise authority over that, those things and tell those devils to leave. Does that make sense? So just kind of like us girls, we had to, after that, clean house. It was time to clean house for Days and days we kept finding cigarette butts. Sometimes there's symptoms, you know, to the choices we have made. But, but, but we can clean our way forward. We can repent our way forward and we can see the miraculous of God. It feels good to repent. I know I'm not preaching popular things, but this is what's going to help us live a great life. We have more authority than we realize. Point number three, we have been given more authority than we realize. Look at me. I'm just like on to the next. Okay, there we go. We've been given more authority than we realize. And I found this in a scripture actually when I was traveling to see my family over Thanksgiving. And God gave me this scripture. And that's when I really began to marinate over, wow, we have more authority over things. And there's more wickedness that should be under us that, than, that we are dealing with. And this is the scripture that I found. And I'm going to read it in the Passion Version. It's just beautiful imagery. So even if you want to just close your eyes and, and listen as I speak, I'm going to speak out of Psalms 8, 1 through nine and, and just begin to, to, to see your Jesus, begin to see what he's done in the world and what we have authority over. This is what the Bible says. This was a Psalm of David. It says, Yahweh, our sovereign God, 
Your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere see your splendor. You have built a stronghold by the songs of children. Strength rises up with the chorus of infants. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Even our praise, even our worship like a child, even that glimpse of faith can shut Satan's mouth. I want us to understand our authority. And then it says, look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gave at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings. I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But I have to ask this question, why? Why would you bother with, with puny mortal men or care about human beings? And then listen to what it says. It says, yet what honor you have given to men created only a little lower than Elohim. That is that he created man and woman just a little lower than God himself, crowned with glory and magnificence. You have delegated them rulership over all. Somebody say over all. You have delegated them rulership over all you have made. He's made a lot of things. We have rulership over them all with everything under their authority. Somebody say under. Their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. We are made in the image and the likeness of God. All the created order and every living thing on earth, sky, and sea, the wild beasts and all that moves in the paths of the sea, everything is in submission to Adam's sons. Do you know who Adam's sons are? That's you and I. They're all under our submission. Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere see your splendor. The Bible says in Psalm 8, 6, you have made him to have dominion. Another version says ruler over works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Somebody say over and under. We have more authority than we realize. In Psalm 110, the Bible says, the Lord says to my Lord, I had to look that up because I was like, why is the Lord talking to himself? But he is three in one. And so it's the Lord, the Father, saying to the Lord, the Messiah, his son, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet, subjugating them into complete submission. Again, this is where I feel like a commander in the army of God. God, that we don't just blot out wickedness and evil, that we crush the evil, that they are under our feet, that demons flee at the sound of the word of the name of Jesus. The Bible says, when I looked up the word subjugating, it says to bring under control and governance as in to conquer. God is saying, let me help you make your enemies to be your footstool. What do you do with a footstool? Yeah, think about it. Most footstools come with a big, huge cushion chair. You sit in a big, huge, comfy chair, and you put your feet up. And what do you do? You begin to tell all the stories to your kids and your grandkids and your friends of every single victory that Jesus himself gave to you. You begin to tell them the story about how you realized the authority that you had on the inside and how you crushed the enemies that came your way and how you broke the evil generational curses that came down the line so that they could live in freedom. 
freedom you tell the good stories of what Jesus has done. He says you will tell your story. You'll put up your feet and remember that the devil has been crushed under the footstool. That is a very good place to be. What is holding you captive tonight? What are you in fear of? What has been what you have felt has been a cap or a ceiling over your life? What thing has been tormenting you day and in the night? How, are there some of us here tonight that we haven't been sleeping through the night because we have tormenting thoughts or we have demons messing with us at night? What has been the thing that keeps us up at night? Could we today rise up in our authority and tell those demons to leave? Because we can, because we've given the keys to the kingdom of God to tell a wicked thing to leave and it has to leave the Bible says in Matthew 16 19 I will give you the keys and the keys in this passage of scripture means authority I will give you the keys of authority to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare lawful on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. What is the Bible saying? It's saying that it's time for some Christians to rise up and take the keys to their house, to their temple of the Holy Ghost, and it's time to tell some devils to leave. Forbid them to mess with you. Tell them to leave in the name of Jesus. Not in my name, not in Stacy's name, no, in your, in the name of Jesus, the one who died and was resurrected, the one that brought resurrection power to each and every one of us. That is the name that we have been given all authority from heaven on earth. Whatever we bound in heaven. Could we be tonight like the great centurion when Jesus was amazed at his faith? I think tonight Jesus is going to be amazed at some of us with the history we've had, with what we have been brought up with. He's going to be amazed when we stand up and take the rightful place that we have been given and tell things to leave and allow God to come in and give us real victory. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen, amen. Last, last point was authority equals faith. Authority is spelled F-A-I-T-H. When the centurion understood his authority, God said, I see your faith. When we understand what we have been given in the keys to the kingdom, we can rise in faith and God will be amazed. And I bet your bottom dollar, all of us will be amazed too. And the centurion, when, when his servant was healed, what an extraordinary man. This last story I'll tell you and then we're gonna start to pray. A couple of weeks ago, I um, received a, a, a tax bill and um, I had bought a home last year and it was called a supplemental tax bill. And only the great state of California has such tax bills. And I did not know about it. I'm sure they tell you these things, but when you're buying a home and you're signing a jillion signatures, you know, you, you don't remember this. And so all of a sudden I received this tax bill in the mail and I'm like, <gasps> and it came around in December and I was like, who wants to receive a massive tax bill at like December? Like it's about to be Christmas, you're buying gifts, all 
things, right? And so I'm like, what is this? And so I call and, um, and people said, oh, well, maybe sometimes in the escrow account, there is money in there that they can give you to cover that tax bill, but sometimes not just call. Anyways, long story short, you know, I have to remember who in the world sold me the house and, you know, all the things, right, that you have since forgotten a year later being in your home. And I finally get to the person. And they look at my account and they're like, okay, yep, I see that. Nope. Uh, yeah, no. There is no funds for that. That is one bill that you are going to have to take care of yourself. And I'm like, hmm, I don't like that. <sighs> so I was like, he seemed very firm. And I was like, all right, thank you, sir. Very nice to the man. But I just put the phone down and then I prayed. And I was like, God, you're a good father. I didn't expect this bill, but you knew it was coming. God, if you could just do anything, like to, to bring in funds for, for this tax bill, if you could do a miracle, that would be great. Honestly, it wasn't the greatest prayer of faith of all time, okay? It was like, I know you can do this. Can you do it? You're a good God. Thank you, Jesus. And I put down the phone. But you know what's extraordinary? Just like the Bible says that when we bind on earth, it's already bound in heaven. They told me no, yet one week later when I made it to my mailbox, I open up my mailbox and there is a check from the escrow account. I'm like, this is very weird. And it says, I'm sorry, we made an unusual error on your account and here are the finances and it was more than the original tax bill. God already had it on its way. When I made the call, it was already in motion. When we bind on earth, it is bound in heaven. It's released over our life. We serve a good God. He's good to us. Come on, it's time to take the keys back tonight. Who's ready to take some keys back tonight? That's right. Come on. We're going to all pray. Everybody stand to your feet right now. Come on. We're going to, in fact, I want you just to begin to run to the altar. If you want to, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. And together we're going to tell some things to leave in the name of Jesus. The things that have been messing with our hearts, our mind, our life. Things that we've been living under. Generational curses. Things that all of a sudden God will be bring back to memory. Let's begin to let those things. This is Freedom Wednesday. Let's get a little bit freer than we were the week before. Come on. I want to just open up the altar, and it should be a lot of us here tonight where we just make our way out and we go, Lord, show me. Show me the things in my life. Open the, open the door to your house. Why not? Open that door and go, God, oh, God, what are those things? And together, we're going to bind. We're going to break. I'm going to teach, preach, minister how we do this because here's the thing. Could the entire ministry team just stand here and pray for you? Yes. But what happens on the day that that minister is not available? I want all of us to understand and to learn how to pray, how to pray with authority, with the authority that Jesus has given us to bind and to break, to tell devils to leave in the name of Jesus. Come on, just make your way out to the altar. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to take some time. We're just going to pray. 
You know the really good thing about speaking in tongues? Speaking in tongues is a language not known to us, but known to God Himself. And I love it so much because when we speak in tongues, the, the devil doesn't understand us. Do you know that the devil can't read our thoughts? Only God can. That's why the Bible says, when you pray, say. Because the devil needs to hear us loud and clear in a language he understands to leave in the name of Jesus. It's why I don't want to just pray pretty little thoughts on the inside. I want to declare. I want to speak out because those devils need to hear the voice of a Christian who understands their authority and tells those devils to leave in the name of Jesus. It's time for us to do some business with God. It's time for us to tell some devils to leave us alone in the name of Jesus. And they have to obey. If we have the spirit of the living God on the inside of us, if we have asked Jesus into our hearts, then we have been given his authority. And just for a moment right now, can everybody just begin to just close their eyes right now? Even under this anointing, could we begin to assess the state of our lives and the state of our heart? And if you're here, even if you're in your seat or on the altar and you haven't yet received of Jesus, uh, we, I want to pray with all of us. And I want all of us to pray and tell devils to leave. But the only way that we can do that is if we have received of Jesus. It is his name. It's not us working harder and trying more. It is Jesus that will do the miracle. It is Jesus that will rise up on the inside of us and devils will flee. So if it's your first time, you're like, you know what, Stacey, I don't understand all the things you've been talking about, but I want this Jesus. Then I want you just to lift up your hand so I can see it. And I want to pray for you. And if it's been a long time, I see that hand. I see that hand. Wonderful. I see that hand. Great. If there's been some of you that it's been a while and you're like, you know what? I once gave the keys to God. I once took my rightful place. But now if I was honest with myself, I've grown stale and I want to take those keys back. If that's you in this place, would you just raise up your hand real nice and high? We're going to pray with you and then we're all going to pray and we're going to tell some devils to leave in the name of Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Oh, I see that hand. Wonderful. So good. So good. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray and receive of Jesus. We're going to do this as a family because we don't just know each other. We are actually a family. We do things together. So we're going to all, in our own voices, we're going to receive of Jesus. And then after that, we're all going to begin to pray and I'll lead and guide us on how to break things off of our lives and tell devils to flee in the name of Jesus. So right now, can everyone say, God, come on, let me hear you loud and clear. God, I thank you for sending your son. Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for my sins, for my life. And I thank you, Jesus, for rising on the third day with resurrection power. And thank you, Jesus, for sending me the Holy Spirit to be with me always. I receive every good gift from heaven above and I activate these gifts tonight in the
the name of Jesus. Come on, can I get an applause? Come on, can we thank God for who he is tonight? Can we thank Jesus for who he is? Come on, come on, everyone. All right, let's all now begin to raise our hand now that we are filled with the spirit of the living God. Just close your eyes, raise up your hands to the heavens. Raising our hands is a sign of surrender. If you are saying, I am surrendering my will and God let thy will be done in my life, then you raise your hands up and give him access into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit. He loves you and he's a good father. And sometimes when we're born into broken families and hardship, which is most people, then sometimes we have a very bad image of a good father. But from tonight forward, it's time to learn about a good God who was our first father in the name of Jesus. And he's going to show you what unconditional love really looks like. We're going to pray for an encounter with him tonight. So let's all right now, let's begin to picture who Jesus is. What does he look like? What authority has he given you? I want you to picture Jesus handing you the keys to the kingdom. Only we can choose to receive them. He hands the keys to us. Let's receive them tonight. And then we're going to start to use some of those keys tonight. The keys of authority. And I want us, the Bible says, to stir yourself up in the spirit. I can't stir for you. You can stir for you. We are going to stir ourselves up in the spirit. And now we're going to tell some of those horrific, horrible things that have been happening in our lives to leave in the name of Jesus. Whatever evil demonic spirit has been energizing those things, we're going to command, command, not beg. With a word, we can tell a devil to leave. And you can do it in your voice. You can do it in your personality. You rise up in authority. That means you don't just have to yell loud. You don't have to scream out. You rise in your authority. When a police officer comes to your house, he's often not in a frenzy. He knows he's got authority. He just shows his badge. Sometimes, tonight, it's time to show the devil our badge that we've been bought with a price, that Jesus died so that we can show that badge and tell the devils to leave in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's begin to pray. If you pray in tongues, if you want to receive of the gifts of the Spirit, just begin to pray right now. Receive the power of the Holy Ghost. We're going to rise. We're going to stir in our spirit. Come on, if you speak in tongues, begin to cry out. Begin to speak out in the name of Jesus. That's what it is, to stir ourselves up in the Spirit of God. Okay, and then right now, in the name of Jesus, begin to allow what has been disturbing you, what has been holding you back. Allow yourself to go there, to see it in your mind's eye. What have people called you that you aren't? What curses have you been living under that it's time now to repent and to make a different choice and allow the spirit of the living God to come in? Right now, in the name of Jesus, oh God, Lord, we thank you for repentance, Father. Lord, we repent uh, for us having any participation 
addiction and some of the things that we have been involved in. Lord, we are sorry for the things that we have chosen to do and participate in that are not of you, that are not of your word. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you died, that we would be free in every way, oh God. Lord, we thank you for holy conviction. We thank you, oh God, for forgiveness, for purity to come back right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, oh Lord. Just begin to ask for forgiveness in your own way. If there's anything that has been a blockage to you, we're just clearing those things out right now. Thank you, oh Lord. Thank you, oh God. Thank you for your, he is, he forgives us. He does not remember our sins anymore when we confess our sins before him. And the Bible says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God, but Lord, he forgives, he forgives, he forgives. Okay, and now, right now, in the name of Jesus, let's rise up, and in your own voice, in your own language, you tell those devils to flee in the name of Jesus. Here we go. We're going to all do this together, so it should get real loud up in here. Okay, now we're going to pray in English or in our first language right now. We're going to tell some devils to leave. God, oh God, right now in the name of Jesus, we bind and we break every demonic spirit that has come to each and every one of us that is not of you. And we say leave right now in the name of Jesus. You have no right in this place. You have no right to mess with our lives. In the name of Jesus, we close the door right now. We bind and we break every spirit of poverty in the name of Jesus. Not on our family, not on our watch, oh God. Lord, we thank you that you are the good God that is a great provider. Lord, we thank you right now. We bind and we break shame right now in the name of Jesus. Where there has been a line that has been crossed from conviction to shame, shame is of the devil. God would never, ever use shame to put us down. That is a devil tool. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we bind and we break the spirit of shame right now. We say leave right now in the name of Jesus. The spirit of perversion, you leave in the name of Jesus. Addiction, you leave in the name of Jesus. I will not have strongholds of the devil. A hold that is strong. We bind and we break every stronghold in the name of Jesus. We bind and we break right now every generational stronghold that has come down through the family line that we say no more. Not with us. It stops. We close the door in the name of Jesus. Come on, begin to stir yourself up. Begin to tell your devils to leave in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus, we bind, we break, and we say, devil, you flee. Every demon that has come in, you flee in the name of Jesus. You go to the dry and the arid places. You go to hell from where you have come from. You will not mess with the sons and the daughters of the living God. Oh Lord, we thank you that you are a good God, that you have given us victory and authority, oh God, that lies in you, Jesus. We praise you. <clears throat> I'm going to begin to glorify God. Begin to praise God. He is good. He has done good things. Come on, let's begin to praise him. Let's begin to worship right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, oh God, you are good. You are good, oh God. Thank you, oh Lord. Thank you for victory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Wow. 
What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.